Rachel Cracon. Hi there and welcome to episode 10 of Get Your Creek On, a podcast about Jonathan Creek. Thanks very much for tuning in as the pod remarkably reaches double figures. What? No, episodes, not downloads numbers. We passed that milestone ages ago, I think. Today it's on to the final episode of series 2, Mother Redcap. Several men are literally frightened to death by something they see out of a window and a high court judge is killed in his bedroom by someone who gets both in and back out of the room without being seen, despite the building being guarded by the police. Whilst the episode doesn't contain scenes of a sexual nature per se, there is a bit of on-screen nudity this week. If you've got kids, I would just gloss over it because it's very important that they are not denied the creek as a vital part of their development towards becoming cool and cultured human beings, and a bit of skin should not disrupt that process. Mother Redcap aired on February 28th, 1998. Friendly Australian, please get us rolling, as the modern day bard Fred Durst said. Episode Synopsis The episode begins with some exposition in the form of a TV news report. Gangland savages have vowed to kill High Court Judge Forrest Sweetland by morning, and he and his wife are therefore under armed guard at home. We see police at the house looking at images of the Chinese hoodlums in the gang. A final sweep is then done of the bedroom, house and garden, and the judge and his wife get into bed. As she puts her lamp off rather than closing her eyes to sleep, she looks at the ceiling in a worried manner because this is television and that's how concern at night time is conveyed. First thing in the morning, the officers guarding the bedroom door hear a commotion from inside and they burst in. The judge is lying on the floor by his bed and the first officer who gets there finds herself covered in blood when she touches him. He's dead. A forensic detective assesses the corpse. It looks like he's been stabbed by a narrow rapier of some kind, and it definitely happened at the time of all the noise. She also finds someone's ripped off fingernail on the carpet by his body. Meanwhile, Jonathan is at Maddie's, who's complaining about being very quiet work-wise. Jonathan looks at the one letter in her entry from a Mr. Jason Tippett, who wishes to collaborate with her on something boring sounding. The phone rings and Jonathan answers it for Maddie. It's Mr. Tippett himself. She speaks to him and is about to tell him she isn't interested in whatever he has to say, but it's clear from his voice that he sounds… appealing. What we see at this point that Maddie obviously doesn't is that he's actually talking to her while completely naked. He asks if she'd like to work together on a macabre mystery that he's come across. They arrange to meet up to discuss it further and she immediately goes off to get ready. While she's upstairs, the door knocks and Jonathan gets dragged away by police officers. Maddie doesn't realise this and assumes that he's flounced off jealous because she has something akin to a date. Maddie meets Mr Tippett in a restaurant. Over dinner, he tells her about his proposal, a book concerning an old derelict pub called the Mother Redcap where seven men died years ago. Not only died, but were apparently terrified to death. We see a flashback to these men, each of whom were overnight guests in the room above the pub, looking out of the window, apparently seeing something so gruesome and chilling that they collapse and die there and then in a fit of mortal terror. 
At the police station, Chief Inspector Ken Speed apologises to Jonathan for the rough treatment he's encountered. His men thought they were bringing in a suspect. In fact, Speed wants Jonathan's assistance with the Judge Sweetland murder, having heard about JC's previous mystery-solving noose. A female officer called Faye Radner brings in cups of tea, and she and Jonathan glance at one another in a somewhat amorous manner. Maddie and Jason Tippett go to see the derelict Mother Redcap pub. It's become something of a hangout spot for vagrants and is in a right old state. They go into the upstairs room where the seven men died and they look around. The electricity's off so everything's dark and gloomy, but when Jason finally gets his torch to work, they find the corpse of a homeless woman. Back at the police station, Speed tells Jonathan about the Sweetland case and the fingernail they found. Maddie and Jason have arrived at the station to report the dead person, and Maddie gets distracted when she spots Jonathan in another room. This causes her to tune out from Jason for a moment, right at the point when he's telling her about his penchant for nudism. They bid one another goodnight, and Maddie goes to see what Jonathan's doing there. She lies her way into the office, telling the officer Jonathan was flirting with that she's his wife. Jonathan's trying to wriggle out of helping with the Sweetland case by telling Speed he doesn't want to be next on the gangland's hit list, but they nevertheless end up arranging to meet the next day. Speed speeds the pair of them along the road at a million miles an hour, almost killing them in the process. At Sweetland's house, Jonathan looks through the bedroom for clues. Two officers were right outside the door all evening, and there's bars across the windows. How could anyone possibly have gotten in or out? Sweetland's wife tells him that when she woke up twice in the middle of the night, the clock on her husband's bedside table apparently seemed to be going backwards. The first time, it read ten past five, but the second time, it said 4.06. She is quite an old lady, if truth be told, so there's a good chance she's beginning to lose all of her faculties, but still, how odd. Maddie goes to the mortuary to try and find out some information about the old homeless lady. She tries to bluffingly blackmail the forensic detective from earlier, but fails, so simply steals the folder with all the relevant information instead. Outside, she looks through it and calls Jonathan disbelievingly. The ripped-off fingernail found on Sweetland's bedroom floor is from the finger of the old dead homeless woman. Wowzers. The pair discuss it further at Maddie's house, and Jonathan annoyedly asks why she told Officer Radner that she was his wife. Maddie hypothesises that the old woman was in fact Sweetland's cleaner, paid to carry out the killing. Jonathan rubbishes the suggestion by picking numerous holes in it, and then he asks her about the mother redcap men dying at the window business. He feels that there's somehow a connection between the mother redcap deaths and Sweetland's death. He asks her to get full details about all the men who died at the pub from Jason. She goes round there the next day and is confronted by him and several of his pals all in the buff, acting like it's the most natural thing in the world. At the windmill, Jonathan's invited Faye Radner round for dinner. They get to know one another, and she tells him that her two brothers were both also police officers, but were killed in the line of duty by an axe murderer. He then gets completely grossed out by her eating technique, which involves her long tongue drooping out of her mouth in a scooping action, a bit like my dog's does when offered a finished yoghurt tub to lick out. At the police station, Speed has arrested a suspected member of the Chinese gang and puts him into a cell. Jonathan and Maddie head to Mother Redcap so that he can check it out, and the pair compare notes from their disastrous dates that day. They head in and inspect the bedroom with the supposedly scary window. 
Maddie has pictures of some of the men who died and Jonathan realises that none of them were wearing shoes at the time. He spots Woodworm in the floorboards by the window and then wanders round to the closet in the hallway. It turns out the floor had been rigged with electrified prongs that could be raised up through the Woodworm holes to electrocute people when they stood there. Jonathan only just stops Maddie from walking on them, but a rat then wanders past and meets an unfortunate end instead. But how does all that fit together with the murder of Judge Sweetland? Jonathan's asleep that night, but tossing and turning, and when he takes a drink from the glass on his bedside table, he comes to a big realisation. At the police station, Mrs Sweetland has shown the various gang members in cells to try and identify them. Jonathan and Maddie turn up and he's ready to explain what happened. The glass of water thing explains the reversing clock in the bedroom. Judge Sweetland must have taken a drink in the middle of the night and put the glass down in front of the clock face, which made it read differently when looked through. Jonathan explains that the clock on the bedroom table had been rigged to electrocute the judge when he touched it. This caused him to fall out of bed and the commotion led to the officers running in. Faye Radner was first on the scene and used a blade-like device strapped to her wrist to surreptitiously stab him through the heart while making it look like she was trying to help him. Turns out Judge Sweetland had been the one who released on bail the Axeman who killed her brothers and she wanted revenge so she worked together with the Chinese gang who provided her with the electrified clock and the stabby wrist device. Faye happens to have come into the room at this point and she explains herself very coldly. It turns out she'd previously been on a street patrol one night and ended up in the Mother Redcap pub where she tried to help the then still alive homeless woman. She removed the ripped nail from the lady's finger, wrapped it in a tissue and put it into her pocket and then later when wiping Sweetland's blood from her hand in the bedroom with the tissue, the nail fell out onto the floor. The old woman had told her all about the pub's gory history, which put the idea of electrocution into Faye's head. Mrs Sweetland tries to attack Faye, and in all the hullabaloo, Chief Inspector Speed is knocked to the floor and unfortunately dies. Days later, Maddie and Jonathan watch a news report about the solved crime that also contains a tribute to Chief Inspector Speed. Jonathan made sure Speed got all the credit for solving the crime, which impresses Maddie. He serves her up some Caesar salad, which she describes as absolutely disgusting, criticising his culinary abilities and telling him to get his coat and she'll take him down to the chip shop instead. When he heads out of the room, she wolfs down a mouthful of the clearly delicious salad. <laughs> My word, what are they like? Episode Analysis By my calculations, this is the second episode so far where there have been two separate mysteries to solve. In the reconstituted corpse, there was the question of who shot David Kirchin and then how did Zola's body end up in the wardrobe? And here we had one, how did seven men get terrified to death? And two, how did Judge Sweetland die? Turns out the pair were connected, although pretty tenuously. The Sweetland crime was a locked room affair with one or two parts to the solution. The electrified clock was an interesting weapon to use and then the stabbing through the heart by an unsuspected police officer, that was a nice way to finish it all off. You do have to wonder how a police officer could manage to get the trust of a crime syndicate though. Surely they would have just thought she was going undercover to try and catch them out. 
I did like the way everything weaved together throughout the episode and this is definitely one where a repeat viewing will leave you spotting things that you might have missed the first time round. The storyline with Jason Tippett being a nudist was very amusing and a particularly fun line was when he said that there are a lot of odd people about as he sat naked smoking a pipe. He was portrayed by Marcus Gilbert. Inspector Ken Speed was played by Brian Murphy who was a joy to watch and while I'm sure some people will be unhappy with his comments about his lesbian daughter, I will remind you that this is a fictional show and it's from over 20 odd years back as well, so don't stress about it. This was actually the second time David Renwick has killed off Brian Murphy. He appeared as the depressed Mr Foskett in a particularly dark but hilarious episode of One Foot in the Grave, The Man Who Blew Away and he ended up killing himself in that, having previously attempted to do so many, many times. Faye Radner was played by a famous face whom it appears absolutely mandatory to cast in every single British drama these days, Nicola Walker. The whole long tongue joke with her was based around an experience David Rennick had in the States when he was trying to help pull together an American version of One Foot in the Grave when the girlfriend of one of the other writers ate in that manner, much to his surprise. A few coincidences and questionable actions were present in the storyline. Maddie steals the folder from the coroner's office, but how did she know that was the right one? Why did Faye Radner put the old woman's fingernail in her pocket to begin with? Surely you would just chuck it away immediately. It was a massive coincidence that Faye just happened not only to be roted on the security detail at the Sweetlands house, but posted right outside the bedroom door too. And finally, when Jonathan became convinced that the two mysteries were linked, that really seemed like a bit of a stretch at that point. And now it's time for a feature with a name that rhymes with the Bellibration of Tocation Unformation Potation. The Celebration of Location Information Station. The derelict Mother Redcap pub is located on the corner of Turville Street and Redchurch Street in Shoreditch, East London very near to the famous Brick Lane. It previously was a pub called The Dolphin, but for the past couple of decades it's been a hardware shop called Labour and Weight. The real irony here is that the shop sells things like tools, and yet they don't appear to have got round to putting up a plaque outside to boast about the fact that some scenes from Jonathan Creek Series 2 Episode 6 were filmed there. It just seems like madness to me and it probably also means that tourists annoy the staff all day every day by asking for confirmation that this is indeed the place. The scenes in the murder room upstairs were filmed on a separate set built at Pinewood Studios. A similar story actually to many episodes where the main location didn't have quite the right setting for interior scenes. Writer David Rennick named the pub Mother Redcap in homage to a pub of that same name that he drank in in his younger days back in his hometown of Luton, which is a nice little connection to his past. Hmm, connection. Creek Connections At 5 minutes 27 seconds. Jonathan answers Maddie's phone by saying her number out loud. 
3810546 is the inventory number for a car bumper on car parts website motordoctor.co.uk, specifically for a Mark K Vauxhall Astra, or Opel Astra if you live anywhere but the UK. The Mark K Astra was launched at the 2015 Frankfurt Motor Show. The city of Frankfurt in Germany is twinned with the Hungarian capital Budapest, which was the location for filming of a short teaser video to the song History by Michael Jackson. Nothing particularly unusual or interesting ever happened to Michael Jackson, but his big brother Germain is apparently a fan of the English football team Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday's stadium is in the Sheffield suburb of Ollerton, which is also home to George Bassett & Co Limited, manufacturers of sweets including the Sherbert Lemon, for which the Harry Potter character Dumbledore has a particular fondness. I've never watched any Harry Potter, because those are children's films for children, but apparently Dumbledore has been portrayed by Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon was born in Dublin, the capital city of the Republic of Ireland. Thousands of Irish people emigrated to America during the Great Potato Famine of the 1840s, with many of them heading to Boston, Massachusetts. Among the many higher education establishments in Boston is University of Massachusetts Amherst, formerly known as the Massachusetts Agricultural College. Its first president, between 1865 and 1866, was agriculturalist, inventor, lawyer, postmaster, writer and assistant secretary of the treasury, Henry French. The comedians Lenny Henry and Don French used to be married, and Don French is perhaps best known for her role in the British comedy series The Vicar of Dibley, which was filmed in the English village of Turville. Turville hosted scenes for the 2008 Jonathan Creek Christmas special, and furthermore, the Mother Redcap pub was on the corner of Turville Street in London. I, uh, I can't, I can't handle this shit. I, I, I can't handle it. Another Creek connection next time. Pottery Corner. I'm very pleased to report that I have again headed along to Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh, shovel in hand, and dug up the world's worst poet William Topaz McGonagall, reconstituted his corpse, and then has him write out his thoughts on the episode in the form of verse. Without further ado, here is Lines on an Observation of Mother Redcap. Gangland savages were after Judge Sweetland, wanting to stab him in the head, feet, arse or hand, for a perceived wrongdoing the old magistrate did commit, and on him fatal damage they wished to inflict. Copper surrounded the justice of the peace's home, to protect his elderly wife and his skin and his bones from the threat of brutality by the wicked Chinese laddies, who wanted to kill off the advocate whom they considered the baddie. The night went by without a hitch, the police operation was without a glitch, 
until the clock struck 6am in the morning, when blood the bedroom floor was about to start dawning. Sweetland fell from his bed and onto the carpet, and his heart, a rapier, appeared to have marked. But how did the gang get in without being seen, and then their freedom from the locked room somehow glean? Maddie was complaining about her workload being minuscule, and prospective collaborator Mr Tippett was made out by Jonathan to be a fool, but on the phone, due to his smooth voice, Maddie's bad mood faded, although she didn't know he was conversing stark naked. And unlike naked phone calls, sometimes his proposal wasn't for a twosome. He wanted to cooperate on a story most gruesome, so they arranged to meet in a nice fancy restaurant to talk about the murderous tale which some people's memories presumably did haunt. He told her all the details over food eaten with chopsticks, about several men who looked out a window and got into a deathly fix, having been about to spend time with a lady of the night, when a sight so utterly heinous did cause them their pants to shite. Jonathan was commandeered by Chief Inspector Speed, whom the advice of JC he did wish to heed, to solve the stumper of the death of Judge Sweetland, who'd died in his bedroom, not outside in somewhere like Forest or Peatland. Maddie and Tippett went off to the old mother Redcap, to investigate how it could have been such a death trap, and ended up coming across the corpse of a vagrant, who died in that horrible old shithole which wasn't exactly fragrant. At the police station, Jonathan was resisting getting entangled, in the Sweetland case because it might end with him being shot, stabbed or strangled, and then he locked eyes with Officer Radner, and it was clear that lascivious intentions he immediately had on her. Maddie went to the mortuary to find details of the dead elderly lady, but she was shown the door because her request was shady, but she stole the folder off the desk without compunction, and the notes within caused her brain to almost no longer function. The fingernail was the transient, and it was found at the murder scene, and that certainly wasn't a coincidence first seen. There was now a further connection in the story to glean, and this was the responsibility of JC with his mind perceptive and keen. He fathomed that the clock on the bedside table had been rigged up to make touching it render you unable to stay alive, which is how Sweetland expired, which was a sad end to the kerfuffle in which he was mired. It was long-tongued Faye Radner who administered the stabbing, and at her Sweetland's wife went swinging and grabbing, and overtoppled poor Ken Speed in the fracas, which sadly put his life on permanent hiatus. And there ends the story of Old Mother Redcap, which as usual didn't have a solution that just fell into your lap, it was all figured out by Mr Creek of the Windmill. Can he do it again next time? No doubt he will. Pottery Corner Thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode of Get Your Creek On, which brings us to the end of Series 2. The pod will take a short break before returning, and the poetry section will be replaced by something new and fresh, so if you've thought that bit of the show has been a load of old shit, then don't worry, today was the last one. Before Series 3 commences, we do have a Christmas special to look forward to, the absolutely magnificent Black Canary, possibly, in fact, probably the best Creek episode ever made, Alan Davis's favourite if I remember correctly, and one that only an idiot would miss. 
Apropos of nothing, I thought I would just mention here that there are other Jonathan Creek podcasts out there. I've only actually ever listened to one of them, the imaginatively titled The Jonathan Creek Podcast. It's hosted by Jerry and Ian, and it's really, really good. More of a straight-down-the-line retrospective review-type show, there aren't any of the stupid features like there are on this podcast, and I cannot hesitate in recommending it to you. Feel free to contact this show anytime, get your creek on at gmail.com or at creekget on Twitter. Feel free to support the show by reviewing it favourably on whatever platform you're listening on. Feel free to tell people about the show and feel free to fling over a small amount of money to support production costs by heading to buymeacoffee.com forward slash getyourcreekon. Doing any of the above will be much more appreciated than it sounds like it will be, so thank you very much. That's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I will catch up with you again soon as we continue on this rather odd odyssey. I'm Toby. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Get Your Creek On. 